I don't know. I don't know what life is like for you guys when you travel, when you go on vacation, but anytime that we drive anywhere on vacation, uh, I am sort of in charge of packing up the vehicle and getting everything ready, and, you know, my kids will come and help, and we'll load everything up, and we'll get everything, you know, all crammed into the van. We got a car top carrier on there. We get everything all loaded in, and we have everybody, you know, get all their stuff, and we get in the car, and I say, okay, like, does everybody have their toothbrushes? Does everybody have their underwear? Does everybody have, you know, their devices? Because it's a long drive, and of course they have their devices. They always have them. Anyway, like, is everybody ready to go, right? And so, like, hand on the shifter, and then inevitably somebody will be like, I gotta go to the bathroom, or I forgot this thing, or I need to go back inside, or somebody's always, like, the slowpoke coming out the door, or whatever. So, it's like, I'm Maybe you've never experienced that, but for me, that's what it feels like regularly. Well, today, this, we find ourselves in a similar situation uh, going through the, the book of Numbers in chapter 9 today. The, the people of God have been freed a year earlier through the first dramatic Passover act that God does in Egypt, and uh, you can read that in Exodus 11 to 13, and we spent the book of Numbers at Mount Sinai, all right? for a year, and is the, the Ten Commandments, the law that they put into the Ark of the Covenant that they make. He gives them the parameters about how they're to make the tabernacle. They take this, this census, uh, and they, they form an army, and they talk about how the tribes are going to be organized around the tabernacle, how they're going to center everything around them. And you've got the, the normal, regular people living their lives. You've got the Levitical tribe. You've got the high priests. And everybody's getting ready and centering around this thing, and they're going to march, and they're going to have this army, and they're going to go into the promised land, and they're going to take it. And it's sort of like, ready, set, Passover. Celebrate a holiday, right? Like God gets them all ready through these first eight chapters, and then he says, I want you to celebrate Passover again. If you have a copy of the scriptures, you can turn to uh, Numbers chapter 9. I want to read the first 14 verses of this. But that's sort of the context that we find ourselves in after these, this year of being gathered at Mount Sinai. And they're getting ready to go to the promised land that he had promised to them. And look what God says here in chapter 9 of Numbers. The Lord spoke to Moses in the desert of Sinai in the first month of the second year after they came out of Egypt. He said, have the Israelites celebrate the Passover at the appointed time. Celebrate it at the appointed time at twilight on the 14th day of this month in accordance with all its rules and regulations, which he had laid out in Exodus uh, chapter 11 to 13. Verse 4, So Moses told the Israelites to celebrate the Passover, and they did so in the desert of Sinai at twilight on the 14th day of the first month. The Israelites did everything just as the Lord commanded Moses. But some of them could not celebrate the Passover on that day because they were ceremonially unclean on account of a dead body, meaning they had touched a dead body. So they came to Moses and Aaron that same day and said to Moses, We have become unclean because of a dead body, but why should we be kept from presenting the Lord's offering with the other Israelites at the appointed time? Moses answered them, Wait until I find out what the Lord commands concerning you. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites, When any of you or your descendants are unclean because of a dead body or are away on a journey, they are still to celebrate the Lord's Passover, but they are to do it on the 14th day of the second month at twilight, meaning a month later. They are to eat the lamb together with the unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They must not leave any of it till morning or break any of its bones. When they celebrate the Passover, they must follow all the regulations. But if anyone who is ceremonially unclean and not on a journey, or I'm sorry, but if anyone is, who is ceremonially clean and not on a journey fails to celebrate the Passover, 
They must be cut off from their people for not presenting the Lord's offering at the appointed time. They will bear the consequences of their sin. A foreigner residing among you is also to celebrate the Lord's Passover in accordance with its rules and regulations. You must have the same regulations for both the foreigner and the native-born. So, what's going on here? Well, the thing that I want to sort of dive into today is this idea that the Passover is not just about being set free. The Passover is not just about being set free. It's about staying free under God's grace. Not just about being set free, but about staying set free under God's grace. All right? So, just real quick, sort of here in these, these first 14 verses, right? This is not a, a major thing that I want to focus on today, but I just want to draw our attention to it because it's certainly here in the text and you're liable to miss it. There's these sort of two graces that I see that are easily missed here in these 14 verses. The first is this. God has grace in this scenario for the people who are unclean or who are traveling and are not with the people of God at this given time. So if you remember there in those verses, it's like these people come to Moses and they say, look, we're unclean because we've touched a dead body. Why should we be prevented from celebrating the Passover? And God has grace for them because really what's happening here is this goes directly against what he had talked about in chapter 5. If you remember this, we talked about the fact that things that are unclean can't be near the tabernacle. And so someone that has touched a dead body is actually supposed to be outside of the camp. And here what we see is these people who are unclean because they've touched a dead body come into the camp and they say, Moses, Aaron, what are we supposed to do about this? We want to still take part in this major holiday. And what you see is God say, you know what, I still want you to take part in it as well. But because you're unclean, you're going to be separated for a month. Then you can come back and you can take part of it and take part in it. And what's interesting to me about this is that it seems to be that God cares more about their participation in Passover than he does about like the cleanliness part of it. Do you understand that? Like, he still cares about it, the cleanliness, and he says you need to be outside of the camp, and you're going to do this a month later, but he still wants them to take part in this, so much so that they're even allowed to come into the camp and talk to Moses and Aaron. It's just this interesting form of grace that God has, that he cares more about them celebrating the Passover than he does caring so staunchly about keeping the rules so black and white. The second grace I see there is for foreigners. Did you catch this in verse 14? That, that that foreigners are allowed to take part in the Passover. It's not just for the Israelites, which this goes all the way back to the first Passover a year earlier. In Exodus 13, when God is telling the Israelites while they're still in Egypt what they're supposed to do for the Passover, he says, and if there's foreigners among you, they can participate in this as well. So think about this. There's all these Israelite slaves and apparently others as well, other foreigners who are there as slaves, and God says they can be part of the Passover as well. It's not just about native-born Israelites, you know, native-born children of Abraham. He's saying other foreigners can be part of this as well. They just need to come into the covenant of people of, the covenant of people of God, which was through circumcision, and, you know, it's a harsh way to come into the family of God, but it is coming into the grace of God so that the Passover happens and they are set free as well, so that they are not, they don't have their firstborn killed like happened in the first Passover. And so God says a year later, right, if there's foreigners among you, they can be part of this. Just bring them into the covenant with you as well, and then they can be part of the Passover too. And so this this grace of God for people that are traveling, people that are unclean, the foreigners who are in their midst, in their midst saying, you can be part of the Passover as well. This is God's grace all over it. Yet, if you caught this right there at the end of those, that section, God cares deeply 
that everyone still takes part in the Passover. That everyone, whether, like if they are clean and they haven't touched a dead body and they're not traveling and they're there in the camp, they need to take part in the Passover or they are cut off, God says. They need to take part in the Passover again and again and again, it seems. In Exodus 11 and 12, when the when the first Passover happens, if you remember this, the, the people of God are stuck in slavery in Egypt, and they, God brings these plagues on Egypt, and Pharaoh refuses to let the people of God go until finally they come to the last plague, which is the plague on the firstborn, that God is going to send to this destroyer, he calls it, through the, through the land of Egypt, and it will kill the firstborn sons and the firstborn cattle of anyone that doesn't take part in the Passover ritual. And so if you remember this ritual that the people of God are called to do, they're supposed to take a lamb from within their own flock that is, you know, unblemished, that is pure and clean and perfect, and they're supposed to, to, to raise it and care for it and then sacrifice it. They're supposed to kill this lamb and, and take its, its, its blood and, and put it on the doorway of their homes, and it's sort of this violent, visceral thing that, that we're so often detached from when it comes to the, the, the slaughtering of animals, as I talked about before, and, and they... they they have this blood on their hands, and this, this murder of this animal is happening at, like from their own hands. It's crazy to me. When we lived in, in Jordan for a year, I remember there was a, a holiday they celebrate where they celebrate um, Abraham sacrificing Ishmael, which if, if you're familiar with the story from our scriptures, you know it's Abraham who is called to sacrifice Isaac, but, but they celebrate Abraham sacrificing or potentially sacrificing Ishmael, and they do it by slaughtering lambs. And so in 2006, when we lived there, we were driving around the streets the morning of this holiday, and there were literally piled up lamb skins everywhere and blood like flowing off the sidewalks into the streets. It was crazy. <laughs> I'd never seen anything like this in my life. And it's sort of, it's like, it's jarring when you see something like that, when you see blood flowing like that. And so God is calling his children in this to be, to be taking this lamb and slaughtering it. So there's this, this connection that he starts to draw in their minds between blood and death and sacrifice. And it, it, it's a reminder of the cost of the freedom that they're going to enjoy, Right? that somehow connected to this blood and this death and this sacrifice is their freedom, that they are being set free and God's going to care for them and protect them and set them free from slavery in Egypt. And I think also sacrifice is a reminder of the power of God to give and to take life. And I think it's a reminder of, of what sin does to us. And what sin does to others is that sin kills as you see the sacrificial system lived out through the Old Testament, I think this connection is what God is putting in place for them to know that like, sin requires a blood sacrifice, requires a death, and actually causes death. And so at this first Passover, he sets all of this up for them. And they're called to take the blood of this lamb, like I said, and they're supposed to paint it on the, the lentil of their, of their doorway, right? And, and, and on the doorpost. And so it kind of covers the entryway to their home, so that when the destroying angel comes through the camp, the, the angel will see the blood on their home, and it will be a demonstration of their faith in God's power and in God's grace, and the destroying angel will pass over their home. 
And if you don't have this blood on the lentil of your home, then, then your firstborn son could be killed by the destroying angel, their firstborn cattle and all these things, right? And so the people demonstrate, the people of God demonstrate their faith in God's grace by painting this blood from the sacrificed lamb on the, the doorpost and on the lentil of their home, and it, and it frees them from slavery in Egypt. And what Exodus says is that ultimately this was God passing judgment on the gods of Egypt, because all those gods of Egypt were not powerful enough to stop Yahweh. And so, look again at Numbers 9, verse 13. God says, But if anyone who is ceremonially clean and not on a journey fails to celebrate the Passover, they must be cut off from their people for not presenting the Lord's offering at the appointed time. They will bear the consequences of their sin. God is saying, if you don't celebrate this with everyone else, you are cut off. I mean, like, yikes, right? Like, this is severe that God would, would say this. And, and honestly, this, this idea of not doing something and being cut off from the people of God, not going about things directly the way that God says you might be cut off, like, that goes against our American tolerance, right? It goes against our, our sort of pursue-your-own-truth worldview, right? Like, okay, that's good for you, fine, you know, it's not good for me, but that's fine, it's good for you. Like, no, God's like, it's this way. It's this way for the people of God, and if you don't participate in it, then you will be cut off. We're greatly uncomfortable with this way of thinking. So, but why? Why does God do this? Why does, does God call for this level of, of repetition and, and dedication to celebrate the Passover? Again, a year later, they've already been set free, Right? He already used this to demonstrate his power over Egypt, Egypt's gods. They've been set free. They're out in the wilderness somewhere. God's given them the law. He's with them. The tabernacle's there. Why is he calling them to celebrate it again? Because, again, Passover is not just about being set free the first time. It's about remaining free under God's grace. It's not just about being set free. It's about staying free. If you have a copy of the Scriptures, again, you can look at Exodus 12. This, this, is, the first, this is the account of the first Passover when, when God is giving Moses the directions about what they're supposed to do, and he sort of lays this, this out for them, and, and he gives them all these instructions. And then he gets to verse 24, and he says this, "'Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. When you enter the land,' like hear the promise there, "'when you enter into the promised land,' that the Lord will give you as he promised, observe this ceremony, meaning keep doing this. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Then the people bowed down and worshiped. And so right from the beginning, God is, is telling the Israelites, when you go into the promised land, I want you to keep celebrating this Passover. And when your children ask you why, you remind them, because our God passed over us and kept us safe while he brought judgment on the people of Egypt who had enslaved us. And so, friends, I've talked about this before. What God is saying is if we don't intentionally remember, we, we accidentally forget. If we don't intentionally remember, and God is telling them, if you don't intentionally remember what I have done for you in setting you free, you will forget. And there's great suffering that goes along with forgetting that God is the one who sets us free and keeps us free. 
there was this there was this time where I was working uh, upstairs in my kid's room. I think I was installing uh, a light or something, and I had the ladder with me. And when I was coming down the stairs, um, if you've if you've been in our house, you know we have a, a glass light that hangs in our entryway. And coming downstairs with the ladder, I brought that ladder right through the light and just smashed it, to, like just cracked it like the Liberty Bell, right up the side of it. Glass fell in my hair, and it was a mess. Right, so we had to replace the light, all these things. A little while later, I had to bring the ladder back upstairs again. And as, as I'm going by it, I'm like, don't hit the light, don't hit the light. I'm like reminding myself, right? And so I go upstairs, I do all this work. And when I'm coming back downstairs, I'm like, don't hit the light, don't hit the light. Like talking out loud to myself because I want to intentionally remember to do this. Otherwise, I'm going to get into an accident again. God knows, right? He knew that his people would need some kind of reminder every year of what he had done for them. And to constantly remind them so they didn't accidentally forget the goodness and the grace and the power of God. And here's the other, the, the, I mean, I guess it's beautiful. I would say it's a beautiful thing about Passover is that it's sort of a location-based reminder, right? I don't know if you have these on your phone, but I have this where it's an Apple product. I don't know if other phones have this, but I can literally set like a geofence up so that I can say like, when I get to the YMCA tonight, remember to do X, Y, and Z. And it knows when I pull into the parking lot, it says, boop, remember to do this thing, right? Or I can set it to when I leave my house, right, to remind me, oh, you know, get the mail to bring it to the post office box or whatever. And so it's like a location-based reminder. Passover is in and of itself a location-based reminder for the people of God, that they take this blood of this lamb and they, and they put it on the, the, the doorframe of their house or if they're traveling through the wilderness for years, right, on the, maybe on the tent somewhere on the posts that hold up the tent, they're going to paint this, this blood as a reminder of what God did. And about a year later, as this would fade and from the sun or fade from the rain, there was this reminder, again, to paint it back on there. And remember what God has done so that every time they would, they would pass under this doorway, they remember that God passed over, right? And so it's this location-based reminder to constantly remember this year in and year out, day in and day out, all that God had done for the children of Israel to set them free. And then we see in Exodus and Leviticus that God sets out lots of holidays like this to remind the people to train their hearts and their minds throughout the year, to remember all of God's provisions so they don't accidentally forget, right? I mean, this is, this is what traditions do in our homes, right? It sort of forms us as people, forms our souls spiritually when we do these things again and again. God knew that traditions shape us. So he's telling the people right from the very first year at Mount Sinai, celebrate this year in and year out to remember all that I have done for you. Because listen, what happens right? What happens when people forget what set them free? What do you think happens, right? Why does this matter? Well, because when they forget, or if they forget, the people will fall back into religion. They will fall back into, like, moralism and and thinking that it's all on their own power to set themselves free. It's it's up to them to, to, to secure their own, like, goodness in life. And so, We see in Israel's history, this starts to lead them towards worshiping idols, saying, well, maybe this idol will take care of me, forgetting what God has done for them, right? Or people will just start to ignore God altogether. If we don't remember all that God has done in setting us free, we we forget what God has done, we ignore Him, and we, we don't have faith anymore, and we start to pursue our own interests, and 
we forget if we don't intentionally remember. This is why God is calling, to the, calling them to this right from the very beginning. So I can ask you a question, how do you forget, right? I know I forget. I, I forget in the middle of the week to, to pray. I'll get four days into sermon prep and, and remember, I haven't even prayed about this, right? It happens that quickly that we start to think this is all on me to produce. This is all on me to secure myself. This is all on me to get, you know, love for myself from other people. And for, we forget that our Heavenly Father offers this to us and wants to provide for us. Maybe you're not like me, I don't know, but I have a feeling most of us have a tendency to forget the goodness of God. God knew his people would forget, so he prescribes these things for them, Passover again and again, and all these other holidays, year in and year out, to remind them. And he says, and if you don't do them, you will be cut off. So let me ask you a question. Which is it, right? Are we cut off by God if we don't celebrate Passover? Are we cut off by God if we don't remember him? Or are we cutting ourselves off from the grace of God, from the provision of God, from the love of God? So when we gather in our homes, as it were, this morning, when we gather on a, on a Sunday morning, when we gather for Christmas, Christ, you know, Christmas Eve, or we gather for, for Easter we do so to pass under the new Passover lamb, the blood of the Passover lamb of Jesus, week in and week out. That blood that was painted on the cross for us by our Savior. We gather to remember. Sidebar item, why do you think Jesus picked Passover for his death? If you study Jewish history, you know he doesn't pick the Day of Atonement. He picks the Passover I think, is to symbolize the, the once and for all setting free of the people of God from slavery. And he tells his disciples, in John chapter 6, he tells his disciples that, that if, if anyone doesn't participate in his body, the bread, and doesn't participate in his, his blood, the cup, the juice, the wine, then they don't participate in the new life and the freedom and the eternity that he's bringing through this Passover. It's the same thing. Years later, Jesus is saying, if you don't participate in this Passover, you don't have any part of me. You don't have any part of the kingdom. You don't have any part of this new life. So why do we gather weekly under the, 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 and to celebrate the resurrection and to celebrate the cross? To remember that we have been set free and to remember how to stay free. Because, friends, the cross and the resurrection don't just set us free one time. They continue to keep us free daily. We daily take up our cross and pass under the blood of Jesus again, day in and day out. We've said this over and over again, and I will say this until the day that I die, that, that the cross is not just the way into heaven, it's the way to live a full life now. That the resurrection doesn't just secure for me my ticket to heaven someday, it is the party now that we've been invited into. This is the beauty of the cross and the resurrection. It doesn't just set us free, it keeps us free. This is the gospel. So, if Jesus has conquered death, 
and the worst that sin and evil could, could throw at him, the resurrection proves that we don't need to be afraid of anything anymore. We don't need to be afraid of anyone because of the Passover lamb of Jesus. We are safe for all of eternity. His resurrection proves it. We are in a covenant relationship with the one who would never cheat on us or leave us. He proved this by his fidelity going to the cross on our behalf. We can believe that we get to live in a new creation someday where we will rule with Jesus and inhabit the earth and be part of new creation and tending a good garden, a good earth. We will have significance now and for eternity. The cross and the resurrection prove this. This is why we gather week in and week out to celebrate that truth. Friends, we need to remember that we have not just been set free one time, that we maintain our freedom by covenant relationship with Jesus, with the Passover lamb, the one whose blood is put over the the doorway of our lives. So I want to ask you a couple questions just to think about as you go about your week. What location-based reminders do you have set up in your life to remind you of the blood of Jesus that was shed on your behalf? Maybe that's actual things hung up in your home. Maybe that's things you put in your car. Maybe that's reminders that pop up on your phone of Scripture or promises of God for you. I don't know. But if we don't intentionally remember, we will accidentally forget. So what things are you putting in place to just remind you of the goodness of God to you through Jesus? And how do you celebrate daily, monthly, yearly the freedom that we get to live in now that Jesus has purchased for us? The freedom of the gospel as opposed to the slavery of sin or the slavery of legalism. How do you remember? I can't speak that for you. I can encourage you to come and be part of a gospel community. I can encourage you to to come and be part of a worship gathering on a Sunday morning. I can encourage you to be part of a community group, but Again, I don't want to force that on anyone, so I can ask you, like, what do you do to remind yourself of what God has done for you? This is why we dive into Scripture. This is why we sing songs. This is why we serve. This is why we gather with the other saints. Friends, we need to encourage one another daily. There's something you and I need to do for one another is encourage one another daily as we see the day of Jesus draw near. That the cross of Jesus has not just set us free a long time ago, but it is what keeps us free daily because we do forget that we can be free from needing to be perfect and having it all together. We need to hear that from one another. We need to remind one another of the Passover lamb of Jesus and what he has purchased for us. We can be free from legalism and from moralism and, and the do-goodism that all rests on me being perfect. We can be free from needing to find love in the wrong places and in the wrong people because someone else says to us, hey, Jesus loves you. You don't need this from him or from her or from that job or from that thing. We can be free from our past and our baggage that keep us in chains. And the list just goes on and on, friends. This is why we need to get together and remind one another of what Jesus has done. Let us not cut ourselves off from celebrating the ultimate Passover of the cross of Jesus. Would you pray with me?